Uh, New Zealand English, of course, is a, is a huge subject, so this is going to be very much a once-over uh, lightly, and so I thought we'd limit it to the, these considerations. Um, first of all, beginnings of New Zealand English, how New Zealand English has been regarded and is still being regarded um, by the general public and from outside New Zealand, uh, how it has changed and is changing, and what's characterised uh, New Zealand English. So. Um, you probably uh, know that, or might have actually mentioned that in um, the flyer, that New Zealand, New Zealand English was not considered a maven. A maven is a major variety of English until about the 1980s. And uh, since then, of course, we've had uh, Harry Orsman's wonderful Dictionary of New Zealand English published, a work that took 45 years of work and in the <coughs> end, lots of support from lots of different specialists. But um, frankly, New Zealand English has been there for many, many years. In fact, from the, 18, from the 1830s, we've been recording um, uh, New Zealand English, specific New Zealand words. Uh, a New Zealand word, by the way, is a word that is not used anywhere else in, New in the world or has a specific meaning. The word exists elsewhere, but it has a specific meaning uh, in New Zealand and uh, to New Zealanders. Or a word that has considerable historical significance in New Zealand that it wouldn't have elsewhere. So this um, lovely early watercolour, I think, um, is, this is one that I actually use with my students when they say, well, um, New Zealand English, it's only just, you know, fairly recent, isn't it? But, you know, when you look at this, you see, well, here we have a V hut. Now, this was an 1840s um, watercolour. The V hut, that's a New Zealand term. We have people with a pico, P-I-K-A-U, um, which has now been used as a backpack. It was also used in, um, obviously, it's a New Zealand term. We have adopted it into, into English from Māori, and we've also used it for... Um, a saddle bag on a horse, on a saddle. Um, no one, you haven't heard of it? Oh, Pico, P-I-K-A-U. Um, half waka, a waka. Here we might have some uh, New Zealand flax. Um, here we've probably got what, we, what was known in these days, in the 1840s, as a Maori track, um, because we have plenty of Pākehā tracks, Pākehā roads, Pākehā, Pākehā lines, once um, Pākehā, the Europeans, started making roads. Here we've got bush, and it's used as a collective noun in New Zealand, and it means something completely different in Australia and in South Africa. It has its own meaning, and here we've got a clearing, and there's a New Zealand um, term for that, which is um, a pākehi. Pākehi is a Māori term that's actually been used um, to look at various uh, soils and soil types. Um, in the west coast, um, th those with a, a nasty iron pan underneath, um, so swampy, but it's also used as a clearing and it's also used in a jocular sense for a bald patch on a man's head, a clearing up here. And of course in the air we will have, we'll have our New Zealand birds and of course they have, um, they have specific New Zealand names because they are indigenous to New Zealand and we gave um, an our different names to words that um, mean to, to birds that have been around for quite some time. So elsewhere as well as in New Zealand. And so 
um, I think it's quite a nice illustration that you've got things like a V, a V hut, a pico, etc. Now, what was this tiny island nation first called? Well, it was called lots of names beside New Zealand and before it was universally New Zealand. And of course, you've got terms like Maori land, Pig Island. Do you know the origin of Pig Island? We can make this as interactive as possible. You don't mind, do you, Anna? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it was supposed to be um, because of the pigs that, um, that um, James Cook brought. Agreed? Senior historian. <laughs> um, Britain of the South, Britannia, well, of course, um, in that, this, this um, lovely watercolour, this is taken from Britannia, which was the name given to, first given to Petone. Um, Britannia, New Britannia, Kiwiland, Fernland, Moaland, Zealandia. Now, these terms were used in New Zealand as well as uh, elsewhere. And then, of course, we had the, um, the terms that were given in um, uh, other languages and, and the informal terms like God's Own and Shaky Island and Wowser Land, of course. Now, because this multiplicity of names that we see in the name of New Zealand is also, we also found early in the names of trees and plants, um, small plants and birds and fish and the Kiriru always, to me, epitomises this because it had seven names. It wasn't just the, the New Zealand pigeon, it was the wood pigeon, it was the bush pigeon, um, it was the wild pigeon, it was the New Zealand pigeon, it was the cuckoo, it was the kukupa. And um, so, uh, we, and we see this again with um, the kakako, it was known as the organ bird and the blue wattled crow in the North Island and then on the South Island theirs was the um, orange wattled crow. So a lot of objects in New Zealand, including the, the country itself, had multiple names. Even the old pukako had, he was a swamp hen and, um, and um, a blue hen. Now I like this kororika because it tells us something about um, well, for me, it's important, it's quite significant. This is Russell, of course, in the Bay of Islands, and Russell was known as the Devil's Playground and um, Blackguards Bay, or Blackguards Bay, and to some extent, the hellhole of the Pacific. Um, it, was, it was actually contrasted or was competing with San Francisco for that title. And the sealers and whalers up there, of course, uh, these early and early traders uh, created um, a lot of terms that were slang. And I'm just going to uh, show you what, it's, it's quite a long quote, um, but um, this is what Wakefield in 1845 said about the sealers and whalers. Their whole language is in fact an argot or slang, almost unintelligible to a stranger. Every article of trade with the natives had its slang term in order that they may converse with each other uh, respecting a purchase without initiating the, the native into their calculation. And just as criminals have a code, so did these, these early traders, etc. Thus, pigs and potatoes were respectively represented by grunters and spuds. And interestingly enough, that is the first international citation for spud, earlier than the Irish, etc. Um, spuds, guns, powder, blankets, pipes and tobacco were by shooting sticks, dust spreaders, steamers and weed. That's an early use for weed. 
And a chief was called a knob, a slave, a doctor, a woman, a heifer, a girl, a titter, and a child, a squeaker. Now, how many of those? How many of those still exist? Well, heifer does. I mean, I actually live in a rural area, and people, um, there are occasional farmers, old farmers, who talk about the heifer down the road, and they don't mean um, the um, bovine variety. Um, what I wanted to say was that what is the, there is a tremendous value in uh, collecting historical citations. At the Dictionary Centre at Victoria University, we have a database of 40,000 New Zealand words um, or usages. And we have citations for all of these. And we, before we publish these in a dictionary, we like to have at least three written citations. But there's tremendous value in getting these, in these written examples, these citations, to show how a word is used. And that it's not just showing how a word is used or giving its biography, but it's also showing um, settlement conditions, uh, like we saw uh, in some of those, um, relationships between the um, settlers and the indigenous people here, um, constitutional, legal, um, political and economic events within a nation's development and the attitudes towards these and also the timing of developing technologies like aerial top dressing for example. We look at where we first encountered that in print and uh, where we uh, stopped seeing certain words. So we actually see what um, a life of a word is by collecting the earliest possible citation and the most recent one that we have. And as well as that, we try to get a spread of citations from perhaps the South Island, North Island, from different contexts, etc., um, to show us how widely words were used. Now, there's a tremendous resource, which I call a taonga, a national treasure, um, the pa Papers Past from the National Library, and you probably all know about Papers Past, but um, there are now, I think, 60 or 70 um, New Zealand newspapers that have been uh, recorded and available online from the 1830s. Uh, the 1830s was the earliest one. Now, let's have a look at some attitudes towards um, New Zealand speech, particularly historically. I'll look at some contemporary ones at, towards the end of um, the address, but first of all, um, we'll look at these. These three were taken from um, politicians from the House of Representatives. Um, New Zealand speech is lazy, impure, totally <coughs> undesirable. It cannot be too strongly insisted. It's a symptom, symptom of general cultural debasement. Um, and the degradation of spoken English is due mainly to carelessness, laziness, indistinct utterance and slubberliness. And here we have some metaphors that were used by school inspectors who went into schools to try and teach uh, children or to talk about the fact that children needed in, cl in class to be taught elocution, <coughs> to be taught properly. And so it was viewed, our language was viewed as an incurable disease, as filth, a blot on our national life, um, as a crime, the blood of the language on our hands, it's wickedness, it was, a very, it was evil sounding, um, degenerous, it was corrupt and slovenly, and it was mangled and twisted and debauched. So um, 
I've collected, of course, a, a lot of those, not just from, from Hansard and from um, inspect, school inspectors' reports, but um, uh, very interesting, and that continues today. Of course, we've got a language police here in New Zealand, which is operating fairly, fairly well. Now, I thought we'd have a little bit of interaction now, and if you could actually work out which of these is New Zealand word. The hissa, KKK, Dibbly Dobbler, Puzla, Ringanui, Strainer, Howley Bag, and Tinny House. Now, there are a few of those that you possibly haven't heard of. Um, hissa, anyone know what a hissa is? Hissa is a fast tramper, tramper in the party who's always at the front, right? Right? At the, the, that one who tries, when you see a doc notice saying an hour and a half, will always try to do it in half. Um, KKK, you must know KKK being Wellingtonians. Kilburn, Karori and Kandala, right? Just a little chuck off, that sort of middle class suburbs. Uh, Dibbly Dobbly, you probably know if you've been following it at your cricket, the middle order batsman. And um, Poozler, a Poozler is a scavenger, the kind of person who goes to... Um, the bins outside uh, houses and businesses where things are being thrown out and helps and helps themselves and students were uh, of course great poozlers um, and that that was actually first used in the 1960s by um, an Auckland writer. A Ringanui is actually a freshwater crayfish. A strainer, a strainer is a word used by students, a strainer is um, someone who tries really hard, someone who always does what they're supposed to do, right? um, someone who's, um, yes, who's, who, do, who does exactly what the, the lecturer or the teacher wants. A howley bag, I love that word, a howley bag has uh, not been used for a while but it came in the 60s and the last citation that I have is um, Donna Awateri Huata using it. And a howley bag is a coward, a crybaby. But I think it's a gorgeous word, howley bag. And tinny house, we probably all know what a tinny house is, but people overseas uh, don't know what a tinny house is. Okay, how has our language changed in New Zealand? Well, it's changed in quantitative way, qualitative way, and our sources, of course, have changed tremendously too. Um, one of our biggest, of course, um, uh, sources of change is, is technology, especially global communication technology. And we are continuing to give new senses all the time to existing terms. This is a qualitative change. That's always been a feature of New Zealand English. For example, um, Afghans, um, we don't use that term overseas. Um, office, uh, anyone know what an office is? It's a ledge on a cliff where a sheep can get trapped and um, even the dog who goes to, who's told to go and get it will get trapped too. It's, not a, it's a nasty thing. Um, a unit, unit, uh, we use it in so many different ways in New Zealand. We use it for you know, tra our suburban trains, we use it for, um, there are several meanings anyway. And same with section and platform and piles. Platform is a word that's used now for both for um, a milking area on a dairy farm, but also the whole property itself is, is, is referred to as a, a platform. 
And these days we're using abbreviations a lot more. Part of this is because of the, you know, technology. Um, we're using acronyms, uh, terms that are made up of, uh, of initial letters um, on words. Uh, initialisms, ones that don't actually make a word, but I'll, we'll, we'll refer to those later. Uh, lots of blends. New Zealanders have always been good at compounding words. We started very early with words like woolshed. Um, Hyperchoristics, we're actually using, and we'll talk about these a bit later too, um, using terms like gizzy and palmy and um, the cake tin, etc. Um, toponyms, we name, uh, we use words that are named after places, we use names that are named, eponyms, words that are named after people, and we are dehyphenating. Um, Dehyphenisation uh, is actually um, a process uh, now within lexicography, within dictionary making. We're actually getting rid of hyphens. And we are becoming increasingly informal. Okay, <coughs> certainly increasing informality is a characteristic of New Zealand <coughs> English. Um, here, we, this was in the um, Capiti paper. Uh, I'm making things work again, or general unbuggering and you're probably aware that um, the Broadcasting Standards Authority and the Advertising Standards Authority have passed bugger and sheep shagger and are allowed pommy git uh, and, and all sorts these days. So this is a, I took this back of a bus actually, bugger off for bugger all and that is, is also acceptable. Um, we're using existing words and phrases in surprising new ways, you know, like platform, etc. And um, here we go, <laughs> approach the bench. And of course, bench is used in a New Zealand sense too in um, rural sale yards, people on, on the bench. Um, frequently, we are putting, uh, we're dispatching words to a word hospice because they are just not being used. Um, and a lot of dictionary makers, a lot of other lexicographers use archaic or out of date and I don't use that because terms will often be recycled, they'll come back to be used again and again and I think it's a bit unfair to write them off. So rather than put them in a, in a cemetery, we put them in a word hospice. <laughs> and here's one. Uh, well I was going to shoot through but no one knew what that meant anymore. <laughs> and then they don't. And we're much kinder these days. Um, political correctness and greater sensitivity to marginal groups, for example. I was at Otakaiki recently and um, social deprived children there were called moral imbeciles. Um, people have developmental delays now and disabilities. They're not called retarded. They're not slow learners at school anymore. Um, and there's more evidence. Here, um, Oarsman um, included these headwords in the Dictionary of New Zealand English. Right. Does anyone know what carny is? I usually have to explain carny. Yes, it's either the, a girl who has um, who, a girl who has had who has been a victim of unlawful carnal knowledge, or or the event itself. Um, chink and chow and coconut. You'll have known. You know probably. Um, Oarsman collected these. And you know this is because they are part of New Zealand history, 
and dictionaries are not prescriptive these days, they're simply descriptive. Um, so these are all uh, there. And the Grey River Argus was an amazing newspaper and I thought that you'd like to see this. This is 1897 and you can work out how far we have come or haven't come. Um, it's about this Chinese, Chinese people. They were informed that the river was falling. There was a possibility of rescuing the unfortunate Mongol, Mongolians. After the chinks were safe, the next question was to get the boat back. Uh, they apparently went white baiting about 5 a.m. and the river rose quickly. And then, although 99 out of 100 Europeans would have ventured and safely reached the higher ground, instead of waiting to be drowned in a hut like rats. Um, so, you know, we're picking up sort of prejudices from the late 19th century, uh, from papers past. The Grey River Argus is one I go back to time and time again. Uh, and the West Coast must have been quite a place. Uh, there is increasing official and unofficial use of acronyms, as I said before. So we've got WINS and Sarah or Sarah. Sifts, Irma, Doc, etc. Dame Kath, we talk about Rons. Everyone know what Rons is? And Jaffa. Jaffa, of course, is just another flipping uh, Aucklander. <laughs> and Rons is rest of New Zealand, um, but that's the others. <laughs> we, have, we have recorded um, more than 200 acronyms um, ending in NZ. We're quite lucky, really, because um, in New Zealand, because we can make up some very good acronyms. Um, that end in NZ, you know, words mainly four letter, but sometimes five letter. Um, and so we've got bands, bins, spins, you know it's spinses? Suicide Prevention Information uh, New Zealand. Spans would have been an early one. Spans would have been an early one. And yes. was earlier, it's got the NZ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yes, yeah, very handy, uh, the NZ. We've also got these diminutives, you know, just simply smaller words, pet names, hypercharistics. We've got you know, Dunners and Gazette, and, and we still get the person who reads the weather forecast on TV One talking about Dunners and Gazette and Cooney, um, Eggs Benny, the Naki, um, and increasing use of nouns as verbs, which is, they would all be unknown. These meanings would be unknown to people outside New Zealand, like, Hickory, tiki tour, trespass. We tiki tour, we white page, we hickory, etc. There are also um, these use of what I was saying to Neil, um, I call uh, serial cliches um, like corn gate, painter gate, speed gate, under gate. Um, wearable arts, we now have shareable arts and scareable arts. The <laughs> scare, scarecrow festival in uh, Gladstone is very, very popular. And a term like munted, which is a New Zealand term, and we've got muntage and mega muntage. We also have a fair bit of um, bloke speak. Um, these are the jocular macho terms like biffo and handbrake. You know what a handbrake is? Handbrake is the wife. She stops you from doing things. She puts the brake on. Um, a lot of nicknames like gaza and muzzer and mazza. Um, Lightotes is uh, an example. Um, oh, it's a characteristic rather of New Zealand males in particular and particularly farmers they will never say um, it's a good season they'll say it's not bad um, and she's not and she's pretty they would never say she's pretty slim she's not fat 
Um, and so we're always you know, using these negative terms uh, to express something positive. And of course, the blokes also use the third person uh, singular feminine pronoun for cars, um, boats, uh, uh, days, um, uh, thunderstorms, etc. Even days of the week are she. Now, where are our words coming from these days? Who's, wh what area, what domains are contributing most of the uh, terms? Well, first of all, the environment, and just, I'll discuss that briefly. And then crime. Um, the criminals have to have a code. And there's a lot more of them because they deal in different things these days to what they're used to. They're not just um, rapists and thieves. Um, the beehive, politics, politics does produce a lot of terms. Uh, sport, uh, when I was speaking to a group of people at Victoria uh, about the fact that we're getting a lot more terms from crime, politics and sport, some wit said, I thought they were the same thing. <laughs> um, of course, we have terms that we are adopting all the time um, from Tureo, and we are uh, adopting them and adapting them. We're compounding them, and from the rural scene as well. So, in the environment, we're actually we've actually got an increased awareness since the 1960s. There's a lot more increased awareness about um, conservation about pressure on the environment. And so we've got terms like bush corridor and kiwi crash. We've got terms like um, mainland island, uh, a tuatarium. They don't have those anywhere else in the world. And um, an increased specificity so that as we're discovering perhaps more species or we're actually labeling a lot more carefully, we're giving them geographic tags. And so the um, that dear little jeweled lizard, they would have been called jeweled, just jeweled lizards some years ago, but now we've got um, the Banks Peninsula one is the green jeweled lizard, and the other one is the Otago Peninsula uh, jeweled lizard. In terms of crime speak, I can never remember all the criminal terms, the codes, um, so I've written them up here for you. A shepherd's pie, a $10 note, it has Kate Shepherd on it. Uh, liquor land, a woman's, a woman's prison, a tomato is a $100 note, a yell phone is a toilet, I'm sure that um, um, people who are looking after prisoners would know what that was going to be. You know, teapot confrontation is on the rugby field as well, um, a taxi cab, smash and grab. We don't have much rhyming slang in New Zealand, um, except amongst criminals, funnily enough. And the criminals are really creative when it comes to uh, their, their terms. Um, Harry Ape, a sleepover, and is often bed and breakfast too, is a very short sentence. Um, bus fare is a, a tinny, and bungee jumper, and a big top. So, How do you find out these things? Ah, well, somebody's done a, a, did a PhD actually in 18 prisons in New Zealand okay. and um, did some amazing work and um, so some of these I've taken from her work and, and some of these um, I've taken from um, interviews and books. Um, uh, Greg, Greg Newbold, he had quite a number in his, uh, his book as well. So we've got written citations of them. Um, 
and politics and policy is a very productive domain. Um, <coughs> names of politicians like Donkey and Chonky and um, Mogadon for poor old and H2, Helen Grad, etc., Denny Side. Um, some of these don't last very long. Um, the journalists have, have um, they've originated amongst the journalists and probably known um, amongst journalists, but occasionally you'll read about them in newspapers. Most of these, by the way, most of these citations are taken from newspapers. Um, there is um, a program called uh, Knowledge Basket, and uh, it goes back to the most recent New Zealand newspapers to the 1980s, and I have a lot of citations from uh, newspapers from that. Um, closing the gaps, fiscal envelope, wine box, etc., um, and the various budgets we've had, chewing gum budgets, um, Roger Gnomes, Soob, one of the Soobers, a small owner-operated brothel, and um, <laughs> that's a term that arose from politics when um, the legalisation of prostitution came in, and the Rainbow Room, which is um, one of the um, select committee rooms at, at Parliament. Um, in the rural world, you've got a lot of different terms coming out. Sometimes it's equipment, sometimes it's new breeds. Um, we're getting some dreadful names now of breeds of sheep. Um, who would like to be a Cormo, called a Cormo or a Carpet Master or a Grow Bulk? Um, Tookiedale, a toponym which is more pleasant sounding. Um, you have a drying off party. Gypsy Day, as you probably know, is um, June the 1st when all the Share milkers move with their herds, all the herds move on, and dairy farms change hands. Um, hoof and tooth is a, um, um, a we'd call it a um, pasture management system where you, you, it's heavy, heavy, heavy grazing. Pigtail is one of those little shapes on an electric fence. And body snatching is fat lamb buying. And of course, shouting is drenching. You shout for your sheep when you go and drench them. Um, from sport, we have um, these. You're probably um, familiar with all of those. Um, no? Anyone want to hazard a guess? Okay, any you don't know? No. Blowcart is um, um, it's, um, a land yacht, um, a sand yacht, a land yacht. Um, a yike bike is, um, uh, I think it's only got one wheel, it's, um, it folds up, it's, it was um, invented in the South Island, um, cave tubing etc. And there's also, uh, in the most significant part of New Zealand English, that really makes it, um, uh, it separates it from any other maven, is the um, Māori and Pacifica influence. So we've got Afakazi, half caste, business walker, eco body, um, our Pacifica, etc. And we've got mana muncher and all of those kind of terms. Um, some of them are, you know, obviously compounded. I liked folding koha um, and golden koha and coalition. Coalition is actually a um, Winston Peters term. <laughs> uh, right. What I thought. Is, um, what I thought is actually quite um, significant for us is to look at what happened 
um, when Christchurch had the big, the big, the big one. Um, and we got all of these terms that came out in new. These are all newspaper terms. Um, we had the muntage, the muntage, the miggy muntage, and places where stuff rooted, buggered, people had guts full, things were bung. Icing on the Quakers when they had that snow that came afterwards. Um, old Bucky, uh, that was a Jane Bowron. Um, quake porn, we had a lot of quake porn um, on the news. Um, and uh, the minister who's responsible for uh, earthquake um, recovery used dungas and old duggers to, dungas to describe historic buildings. Um, and dungaree, um, silt uh, was called liquefaction, shag rock, of course, devastated, it's now shag pile, and, um, and in the newspaper, strangely enough, we had futterly arced. And I think in some ways that sort of sums up how people must have been feeling. Now, the language police, uh, who are they? They are mainly ex-teachers of English, especially, <laughs> which, of which I used to be one, um, and ex-heads of teach, head of English teachers, of which I used to be one. And they do write some good letters to the papers. But um, this is, and this is typical, um, a typical letter. Could someone please tell him, that's Jim Hickey, that most New Zealanders stopped having cuppers and chocky bickies at 6pm back in the 1950s. We also wish he would stop urging us to remember our woolies, wellies, brollies, hotties and lecky blankies. We can figure all that stuff out for our selvies. <laughs> and another one which I'd like to, this was from the listener. I, ho I hope nobody, I suppose somebody does know George Tyler. Um, do you think it is possible that we'll hear an English speaking presenter? I'm fed up with Palmy, Chrissy, the hecky, holes, etc. Jim Mora it does not sound like us and that dates it because um, there was the slogan that came out of Radio New Zealand which was sound like us and Kate, I mean Kate, Kim Hill uh, actually crossed the boundary and was not helpful when she had somebody trying to start a lawnmower uh, several times and uh, she was told that that was not helpful. <laughs> Now these are some of the dictionaries that we have um, compiled at the New Zealand Dictionary Centre. The New Zealand Dictionary Centre was born uh, when Harry's, Harry's Dictionary of New Zealand English was published. And, the, and Oxford University Press have part funded the Dictionary Centre. Um, they, they did that, but unfortunately last year they decided that because um, Oxford was closing down, the ANZNZ branch in Melbourne that they would no longer be able to support us and that's partly because they can't sell hard copy dictionaries anymore. There are so many free dictionaries online. Some of them of course we all have to say are completely non-scholarly, um, not researched properly, people just contribute. There aren't any citations, um, if there are they're not referenced. So um, that's pretty sad, actually, um, because in um, Harry's Dictionary, there's tremendous resource of um, our New Zealand socio-historical and cultural history there. 
So I think that's probably about all. I think that um, we've almost, oh yes, it's getting that. Um, New Zealand English has great uh, potential unexplored, I think, for bilingual wordplay. I hadn't heard Kohalishan before, but um, two of my favourites are Warefare for the warehouse and All Hui No Dui. But um, can, do you know of any others? Oh, there are, there are lots. And John um, McAllister, or you can see his, his book actually, was a little uh, dictionary of Māori words in New Zealand English. And um, yes, he's got a lot um, of power, using power um, considerably. Um, power to the people, power for it is, et cetera, and we, yeah. A word that I hear young uh, folks using a lot today, including my own kids, is the word sweet. If everything's okay, it's sweet. Is that a particularly New Zealand term, or? No, no, it's like cool. Cool interests me because it's lasted so long. And you know, you hear people of all vintages using cool, um, and kids use cool. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Harry Orsman's books are a fantastic resource, but it's very striking when you read it that all the sources are literary. You know, they're from publications, or virtually all of them. And I'm just wondering how, what efforts you make to go into primary schools, school playgrounds, you know, where to try to capture the words people are using in spoken English as distinct from what's transformed into written English. No, we are using some oral history um, resources simply to see where these terms are used, but we don't incorporate them into a dictionary as a citation, obviously. It's too, we, we've got to authenticate it.